The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com and iTunes. I'm Chris Sheeran, and that's Lou DiPietro. Yes, I am. Say hi to the people, Lou. Hi to the people, Lou. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, don't forget you could download this on iTunes and listen to it for free. But having said that, we have too much to talk about today. I wasn't here last week. Lou did a great job with the WWE bringing that into the fray. I know there's, you know, I used to be a wrestling fan. And then I stopped when I was 12. I just couldn't do it anymore. I don't know. That's better than when I used to do the Yes Men with Doug, and he was like, I know nothing and never have known nothing and never will know nothing about wrestling. No, I, I, and we had that wrestling versus NASCAR dichotomy. Yeah, I, Paul Orndorff, Tommy Wildfire Rich, I, I was into it. Mm. I was. Gordon Soley. Then I went to the WWE for a while. The Roddy Pipers, the Hulk Hogan's, the Andre the Giants, Jimmy Superfly the Snucka. Is he in jail? Mm, he's on trial again oh, okay. for... Yeah. But anyway, we're not talking about wrestling this week. Lou did a great job with that last week. First thing we're going to talk about this week is something that's been gnawing at me for the past couple weeks. And that that is this whole Greg Hardy thing. The pictures came out last week they came out? Yes. Okay. Middle of last week. If if you're – listen, I'm 42 years old. And before I get on my high horse, I want to preface this whole diatribe by saying 20-year-old me – Probably wouldn't care. 20-year-old you and 20-year-old me are a lot different than 42-year-old you and 35-year-old me, though. That, that, that's, and that's true in everybody. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Before I start my little right. dissertation on this whole Greg Hardy nonsense, I just want to let you know, 20-year-old me who rooted for the NFL probably wouldn't care what was going on right now. Probably wouldn't. Just like a lot of 20-year-old NFL fans now don't really care. Even after they saw the pictures, or don't even care to look at the pictures that came out. This just goes to prove that these guys, as long as they can play, and I've seen it myself from high school on, these guys are above the law. Doesn't matter what they do. If they could play and they are good at what they do, chances are they're not going to get in trouble with the law. They're not. And they're going to be back on the team, sacking the quarterback, throwing touchdown passes, running for touchdowns, whatever. But I got to tell you something, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I was just having this discussion with my friend Mark Malusis, who does a tremendous job at WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. And we go way back when he was the producer, and before he was the producer of the Mike Francesa show on and Mike and the Mad Dog, he was the engineer. That's how far we go back. When Carlin was the producer. So we've known each other for about 12 years. And he started texting me the other day asking me how everything was going here. At yes. And we started going back and forth. And I'm just, I'm at this place in my life. And I know it might be really bad for what I do. And it might be detrimental for me to say this, but I have to say how I feel. Sports is slowly slipping away from me. It is. I'm being honest. And it's stuff like this that is putting oil in my hands and letting my passion, my, the stuff I, I woke up to, 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 to run through a wall to do, it's slipping through my fingers now. I cannot take any more when, when, when Major League Baseball calls a bat flip epic, they lost me. I'm sorry. When Greg Hardy puts on a uniform after what he did, and Jerry Jones, the owner of a football team, calls him a leader. I don't care if he's a leader on the field. The guy is flipping a clipboard out of a coach's hand, getting in a coach's face, and I forget who the coach was who stood up to him on the sidelines. But whoever that was, I applaud him. Because that's exactly what you have to do to bullies. You have to get in their face. And you have to show them that you're not afraid of them. That woman, his girlfriend that night, told the cops he was going to kill me. And I knew he was going to kill me. I just wanted him to kill me. This guy is on a football field every Sunday. That's pathetic. 
And I'm not, you know, comparing Jose Bautista's bat flip with domestic violence. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just showing different examples of how these sports are losing me. They're losing me. I was brought up in baseball to respect not only the game, but the opposition, the pitcher, the catcher especially, middle infielders. You know, you play the game hard, but you play the game right. You don't have to flip a bat. And it's not like it was in the ninth inning. He didn't walk off and win. Was in the seventh inning, for Christ's sake. And I know I'm bringing something up that happened freaking a month ago. But God, enough. I can't stand it anymore. Sports are turning me off. The only one that has me still is hockey. It's the only one. You know why? Because when you go to do a hockey game, when you go to the morning skate, you don't have to wait six hours to get one interview. You go in and in 45 minutes, you have as many players as you want and both coaches. Done. Done. There's no hierarchy that you have to chop through to get a freaking interview. You walk in the locker room and you get the players. But, but Hardy was the last freaking straw. The last one. I can't take it anymore. Every time that guy walks out on the field, and I know the Eagles, your team, did a great job because a couple of them wanted to, you know, yeah. take it out on him when they were out there. But he shouldn't be out there. That's the point. And you can't have – Jerry Jones was sticking up for this guy maybe two or three weeks ago. And Jenny Frentis, who works for, uh, writes for the Monday Morning Quarterback, mm -hmm. is in the background. And you had to see her face as he was saying this stuff. She couldn't believe what was coming out of this guy's mouth. But in a way, Jones has to say that. He has to back up what he did. He signed the guy. Jerry Jones is a caricature of a human he being is. at this point I, anyway. I but. get it. But the guy shouldn't be on a field. I just, I, you know, and maybe, I, maybe this is the generation, and I know I beat a dead horse with this, but golly, it, 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 it just makes sense. This is the generation that never lost. This is the generation that grew up and they couldn't do anything wrong. Star athletes, no matter what generation they grew up in, they had the easy pass card. They had the unlimited metro card. They just zip by. <clears throat> Mediocre players, players on the fringe, they had to bust their rear ends to get where they are. Star athletes, go to class? What? What's we class? ain't here to play school. Yeah, exactly. That, that was the guy who, that was the guy who won the national championship last year. Carnell Jones said that on Twitter. We ain't here to play school. Which hopefully someone will remind him of in five years when he's flamed out of the NFL and is working at a car dealership. I, I'm <laughs> like Keith Schuler. I'm sorry. I just <clears throat> if if you're a rational thinking human being. And what has happened, I want to say over the last decade in sports, doesn't just make a piece of your sports fandom die inside, then something is wrong in your DNA. I'm not saying completely, but some of it has to be dying. You have to be looking at what, what's going on, not just in the NFL, not just in Major League Baseball. Because you have phony balonies in Major League Baseball, too. Let's be honest, okay? People turn a blind eye to steroids, and then all of a sudden, steroids are bad, okay? Give me a break. We, we've talked about that before on this podcast, too. It, it, 
I don't know. I, I just, I cannot put up with people telling me what I should like. That's the other thing. People getting offended nowadays. There's something out there called freedom of speech. Okay? You might not agree with my opinion. My opinion may not be the right one, but it's my opinion. And if that offends you, there's nothing in the Constitution that says I should lose my freaking job. Nothing. Freedom of speech protects the speech you don't like, not the speech you like. Exactly. And uh, this is the tree I'm barking up with that. I voiced my opinion going back to the whole bat flip thing. Now I know it's, I mean, it's stupid. But like I, going back to what I said, I was brought up to respect the game and the players who played it, especially my opponents. My dad always told me, you let them do all the talking. You do the talking with your bat, with your glove, with your arm. Don't say a word because if you lose and you have to walk off the field and you've been talking the whole game, you're going to get it and you deserve it. And I hear the argument all the time. Well, if you don't want him to flip the bat, make a better pitch. You know how many home runs I saw the Royals hit in the World Series? Quite a few. In the World Series. World Series. Big home runs. They dropped the bat. No bat flip. Why? Why no bat flip? Why no epicness? If baseball needs to get on Twitter and on their MLB network or MLB account, call that an epic bat flip to get a younger generation to like the sport, you're pushing me out. Sorry. And maybe you want that. Maybe you want the younger demographic. Maybe that's what you want. Well, know this. There's still some old school pitchers in the league, okay? All of you younger fans growing up watching baseball, there's still old school pitchers who have my way of thinking. And if you do that, the next time you come to the plate, and again, not saying headhunting, but you're going to be dusting your jersey off. You're going to be dusting your fanny off because there's going to be one that comes in screaming at your stomach or your back. You want to flip the bat, that's what's going to happen. And here's another thing. Boys and girls, these new students of the game that I am growing to hate. Pitchers used to be able to pitch. Do you know what pitching means? No, of course you don't. Because all you care about are bat flips. You don't know what it means to pitch. You know what it means to throw. But to pitch... Remember what Noah Syndergaard did against Alcides Escobar in Game 3 of the World Series? Now, it might have been up, but it wasn't anywhere near his head. But it made Escobar uncomfortable, didn't it? Didn't it? And the best comment I saw is something that Kenny Rosenthal retweeted, and it was Brandon McCarthy, the former Yankee who went out to the Dodgers, who said, the Royals have every right to be angry. And Noah Syndergaard had every right to do what he did. And if you can't get on board with that, that's baseball. That's the baseball I grew up with. And you know what I loved? Not only did I love what Syndergaard did to make him uncomfortable in the batter's box, I loved the fire in Mike Moustakis on the top step of the dugout. Gave the series some juice. Moustakis was basically screaming at Syndergaard saying, we're going to hit you all night. Keep throwing at us. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, and there were some, a couple of words I can't use on this podcast thrown in there, too. Yeah, it's extra work for me. Thanks. That's baseball. Batters aren't supposed to be able to put an elbow pad on and, and hang over the plate. They're not. And when a pitcher comes inside and it almost hits their elbow pad, you got to get a stare down. That's the generation of fans we're bringing up right now. And that's the generation I can't freaking stand. My heart is going to explode, so I'm going to hand things over to you. 
I had five-hour energy, in case you didn't know. Hope it was the berry flavor. Pomegranate, but go ahead. Let me remind everyone of something before I go into what I'm going to say. Athletes, stars or not, are just a same cross-section of people as any other vocation. Just like the brightest and the biggest stars play in the All-Star Game or the Pro Bowl or the World Series or get the marquee contracts, it's the same as the guy who's the producer for Good Morning America or any of the other morning shows or evening news versus the guy who produces the 11 o'clock Sunday night newscast in, in Kirkwood, Missouri. He just happens to be more of the Louis Soho of the, the industry. Did you just pull Kirkwood out of your Kirkwood, rear Missouri? Yeah, I did. That is extra credit for you. I know a lot of people who have worked there over there. Really? Or Otumwa, Iowa. Altoona, Pennsylvania? Yep. Okay. Helena, Montana. Elmira, any, New York. Any of those really small markets, okay? Yeah. They just happen to be, like I said, the, the 25th man on the Padres as opposed to Carlos Beltran or Mark Teixeira. Correct. Of the world. Now, that said, what's happened in this Greg Hardy situation, I'll go back to that first. Sorry, I kind of... Put okay. a lot on the table for What's it. happened in this Greg Hardy situation is that it's further exposed how lawless, for lack of a better word, star athletes and star athletes' employers are. If I did that to my wife and photos came out of it six months later. You wouldn't have a job. Yeah, I'd be sitting at home right now not doing this podcast with you. However, rightfully so, too, by the way, I like to think I'm a pretty good writer, a pretty good baseball mind, I'm a pretty good podcast co-host and producer. I'm, I'm not. I co-sign with all that yeah, and, and I'm, podcast co-host as well. I'm not John Heyman or Ken Rosenthal or, or any of those guys you, who are at the top of this profession. Yeah, but you're right there. If someone gave you an opportunity, right. you could be that. But I like to think I'm pretty good, but it doesn't matter how you good are. I am because I would be out of a job. Exactly. But I put you on that level. Thank you. you. You're that good. Thank you. You're welcome. That said. As long as Greg Hardy has the ability to sack the quarterback, it's going to be overlooked. And I think it was, I think it was Dan Wenzel of Yahoo mm-hmm. who actually wrote a, uh, an article about it earlier this week or late last week that I saw where he compared the, the Hardy and Ray Rice situations and how everybody's like, well, Hardy got a second chance, Rice did. And he's like, that's because Ray Rice at 27, 28 was starting to turn the corner where people in his position are no longer in high demand, whereas Greg Hardy still has the talent to fill that role. And it's true, unfortunately, like you said. Now, the problem is, is that Roger Goodell did something about it. Mm-hmm. And then an arbitrator did something else about it because the Cowboys and the Players Association rightfully argued that press, previous precedent was, did not, you know, previous precedent did not allow or did not set the tone for the punishment he was given and lessen the punishment. And that's why the scales of justice are way out of balance here. Right. Because if you're – look, I know the players' union had to do their job. They have to – I hate even using this f- phrase, fight for their player. But how could you look at those pictures and go to sleep at night and get that reduced? Look, it's the same way that defense attorneys – or prosecuting attorneys can go into a courtroom. Them too. Can go into a courtroom. Knowing that they're defending a murderer. Right. Or go into a courtroom knowing that they're defending a woman who's suing her eight-year-old nephew for breaking her arm at a birthday party. <laughs> it's, it's your job. And I will never, ever, ever, ever indemnify anyone for doing their job. I can indemnify their morals in accepting the job, but I can't indemnify them for doing it. Now, Demora Smith is the, the head, the president of the NFL Players Association. I've worked with Demora Smith in the past when I covered the NFL. I've done some things for the Players Association and for the league. He's, he's a pretty stand-up guy in my eyes from when I worked with him. You may think he's whatever you want to call him for him and his organization fighting for Greg Hardy. But once again, if he doesn't do that, he's not doing his job. The Players Association loses trust in him. He loses his job. Mm-hmm. Flat out. Now... Very slippery slope. The Greg Hardy thing aside, he served his time, whatever, blah, 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 blah. He's still, he's still a, a bad human being. Nothing's going to change that. I will credit Jeff Van Gundy, of all people, for what he said last night. I don't know if you saw this. I did. Okay. The Mavericks-Clippers um, game was on ESPN last night. 
and the fans were giving DeAndre Jordan an earful, as is their right. He spurned the Mavericks. We know the whole situation with Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jeff Van Gundy said, and I, if I get the quote exactly wrong, go look it up because it's out there. You'll get it close enough. He basically said, I don't have a problem with DeAndre Jordan changing his mind. That's a man's pr- biggest prerogative is to change his mind. I do have a problem with the way he did it. Understandable. Very valid point by JVG, frequent guest on the Michael K. Show mm-hmm. during basketball season, or was last year anyway. And then he went on to say, I do want Dallas fans to admit or understand the lunacy that is them booing DeAndre Jordan, and on Sunday they're going to go out there and cheer Greg Hardy, because you're assuming most people at a Mavericks game who are Mavericks fans, probably Cowboys fans, I mean, it's Dallas. They only have one sports team in every, in every sport. And Van Gundy's point was, all this guy did was change his mind. I saw some responses on Facebook to that. And uh, one person said, I'm from Dallas. And how does he know that all Dallas fans, all Cowboy fans, uh, A, root for the Cowboys, and B, will root for Greg Hardy on Sunday? And then a woman said, I'm a Cowboy fan, and I don't root for Greg Hardy. Baloney. If you're a Cowboy fan... And Greg Hardy goes in and sacks a quarterback and picks up a fumble and goes in for a touchdown. You're not applauding that? You're going to turn your back? I would say that arguably the best player in the history of your favorite football team might be one of the biggest scumbags on earth. Did you not cheer for him because he was a cokehead who had underage prostitutes? Michael Irvin? No, I'm talking about Lawrence Taylor. Oh, Lawrence Taylor. Oh, me. I thought you meant them. Lawrence Taylor was no was I, I I'm gonna use the word cokehead because Lawrence Taylor was known to be a cocaine abuser. Right. Lawrence Taylor has done some unsavory things with underage girls in, in his time. Especially after he He did a lot of a lot of bad things playing. while he was on the field. Did you ever not root for Lawrence Taylor to sack the quarterback because he was a bad person? I no, always root you root, for him. Because you're rooting for laundry. It's not right. who, who you're rooting for. It's like Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld said. You're yeah. rooting for laundry. Yep. My favorite football team employed a man who served a felony sentence. For murdering animals, basically, with the dogfighting ring. Mm-hmm. Do I think Michael Vick is a great person? No, I don't. Did I like Michael Vick when he was helping my favorite football team win games and go on to the playoffs? Yes, because I'm an Eagles fan. Does that make me a bad person? It's up to you. Do you want to think I'm a bad person for it? That's fine. And that's why I, I noted... That's freedom of speech. When I start, exactly. But that's why I noted at the beginning that 20-year-old me wouldn't have cared. LT. I don't care. So now, But now I do. Within that Greg Hardy situation is what it is. And props to JVG for, for yeah, pointing that out. he nailed it. Because it's true. He nailed it. What took me the, uh, 19 minutes to do yeah. <laughs> took him about 10 seconds. The <laughs> other part of that is, as I said, you know. It's just another example of how Roger Goodell seemingly has no control over anything happening in the NFL to the point where it's going to come to a massive loggerheads and something ridiculously epic is going to need to happen. Unfortunately, something ridiculously epic when it comes to athletes and things like that has happened in Columbia, Missouri over the last couple weeks. And that situation is what it is. That's something better served if you want to listen to Sid's show. Because I'm sure Sid's talked about it a lot over the last week or so. On he has. And I'll tell you, go listen to Sid's show because we like Sid. And the debate. Right. <laughs> but the point there is this when it comes to sports. Regardless of how the situation became about, regardless of the impetus behind it and the hunger strike and they're finding out this kid's now actually – his dad's like the vice president of Union Pacific Railroad and blah, 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 blah. Here's the problem with this. What happens is the phrase protect the shield has become more important than the phrase tell the truth Correct. when it comes to anything in sports. Well, protect the shield pretty much means lie through your teeth so nothing happens. It's like, you know, Metallica said, you lie so much you believe yourself. Um, And it just makes things worse and compounds things. And and instead of dealing with something as it comes up, instead it snowballs into this giant thing – that ruins and wrecks everything in its path. And that's what's happened in Missouri. There's a couple of men, including the Missouri University, the University of Missouri system president, who are now out of a job because things were happening 
I, I don't know the whole situation. I'm not there. I haven't followed it too closely to be able to say, well, this, 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 and this. But what basically happened is the football team flat out pretty much said, you know what? We're out until you're out. And don't think that every athletic director at every campus, at every college, university, junior college, clown college, (laughs) glorified high school, prep school, and elementary school did not see what just happened there. I just had a vision of a clown football team with trying to run with the big shoes. There's Bozo, and he's – it's complete. It's complete to Juggles. Juggles down the sideline. I knew you'd have something. Anyway. Point being – What ended up happening is the inmates ran the asylum there because Missouri's football team is not great, four and five, not going anywhere this year outside of maybe the, I don't know, the the goodies, headache, powder, thanks for coming bowl. And yet they almost could have caused a major catastrophe because if they decided to be out until President Wolf was out, and he didn't resign. Then this Saturday, they're supposed to play BYU in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. And if they just didn't show up, then what happens? BYU has to incur all that expense for nothing. Because they, they can't not go to Kansas City it's thinking the game's effect. not going to happen. Right. The university has to pay BYU the $1 million guarantee for playing the game. Which, I'm not saying BYU is a lesser team. But you often see, especially with 1AA opponents, like Florida paid College of Charleston... $800,000 or whatever to come down to the swamp and get whooped a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Makes money for the smaller schools. They would have had to pay that out. National TV contracts would have been would have been up in arms because now they don't have a game to show, so ESPN would have been pissed or whoever happens to be televising the game, mm-hmm. the SEC network, or I would assume it's the SEC network, so it's ESPN. And on down the line. They would have the university would have lost money from parking and concessions and gate receipts and yada yada yada, and it would have been a gigantic, whole big, just cluster. You know what? Mm-hmm. All because the football players banded together and decided, regardless of how you feel about it, that they were out until this situation was resolved. Did you go ahead? I'm sorry. That can't happen. It does. It did. But that can't happen, and shouldn't. But it does because football and basketball at the college level, like Cardiel Jones said, he's not there to play school. And you know what? He's right. Mm -hmm. He's there to make Ohio State University millions of dollars because the Ohio State Buckeyes are one of the most popular and one of the most successful college football teams and bring in umpteen million dollars of revenue for the university. And yet the NCAA has its head up its own rear end when it comes to a lot of things, including – the oft-used joke I have that they have to report secondary violations because someone had too much ziti at a charity dinner. <laughs> this is the world. I, I got to laugh every time. You this is the world we live in. Yeah. Where one hand has no idea what the other's doing, and as soon as someone is offended, something's got to happen because somebody's wrong, but it's never me. Right. It's not me. There's no responsibility. It's like the family. You remember the family circus cartoon where it was always like, not me did it? Exactly. This is the world we live in now where it's never anybody's fault. It's always someone else's fault when something is wrong. I hate to bring up a Bill Cosby line from one of his um, stand-up routines, but he said it's not any fun having a kid. It's fun when you have five because when you come home and something is broken, you're looking at five kids going, I I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's what it is. It's not taking responsibility. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of my open there about this being a generation – of all about me, 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 me. If it offends me, it's offensive. Guess what? No, it's not. It might offend you. That's fine. I'm not saying it can't offend you. It could offend you. But just because it offends you doesn't mean it can't be said. No, that's right. And you know Read what? the Constitution, sweetheart. Read the Constitution. All of you uh, <laughs> students at Yale who are given that professor the business yep. for Halloween costumes. And there's, there's, and then they marched down the streets in New Haven because of Halloween costumes. And there's issues going on at Ithaca College right now because of similar things that are happening at Missouri. And I was reading on Barstool the other day about how a University of Missouri professor ended up having to resign Mm. because he wouldn't 
cancel class, but people were, you know, there was threats of the KKK on campus and this and that. And it just snowballs into this whole big headache yeah. of and, stupidity. And was, the, and was the KKK on campus? I don't know. How do you know? What is a confirmed you sighting? You can put anything. I mean, I mean <laughs> what, is a what is a confirmed sighting? Uh, that's what the student body president tweeted out. Oh what is a confirmed God. sighting? Was was David Duke in a hood on, uh, on a horse running through camp? What What I is a confirmed know. sighting? But Nobody knows because everything is hearsay because people – social media you helps. You put it on Twitter and it, it's and fact. It, and it's the truth. It's fact. Again, you lie so much you believe yourself. Exactly. And here's the other thing. It's just, it sucks. You could agree with me or not on this. Okay? I, look – I'm not saying someone should go out dressed as Adolf Hitler on Halloween. If somebody does that, they should get their, you know, yeah, head it's insensitive. It's insensitive. It's insensitive. It's big time insensitive. But we're we're talking like everyone's finding something wrong. With any costume. You could put any costume on it. Somebody's going to be offended by it. Well, somebody last year, again, and I hate to keep bringing up Barstool because I read it. That's why I... I, If you like it so much, why don't you marry it? (laughs) Sorry. Hey. Don't tell my wife. Okay. Um, Last year they had a thing as well. Some, Some girl went into her office on Halloween costume day and... It, you want to talk about insensitive costume? She was a victim of the Boston Marathon bombing. Was her costume? She had shrapnel wounds. Awful. And blah blah blah. Horrendous. I don't know who thinks that's funny. Clearly, she did because she's an idiot. It's awful. Freedom of speech protects her right to do that. Yes, it does. However, she ended up losing her job because somebody posted it on Twitter, and then the the slacktivists came out. Of course, they did for about a day. The keyboard, and then they went on to the next the, thing. The keyboard warriors, and went, then and then they went on to yeah. their next hashtag. Yeah. Uh, went on went on the crusade, and she ended up losing her job because the company couldn't condone blah blah blah. And that comes back to Greg Hardy can beat his girlfriend with an inch of her life and be out there sacking the quarterback. Nothing. This girl can make one mistake, and it's a pretty big mistake to be fair. But yes, and she's out of a job because the slacktivists are unhappy. Uh-huh. Here's my new slogan for America: We're not happy unless we're not happy. That's the slogan for America. 2015. That pretty much sums it up right there. We're not. Nobody's happy unless nobody's happy. Uh. So, to close this whole rant, <laughs> I'm about sorry, stupid people, I, I had to get the yell in there. I'm no, it's sorry. fine. To close this whole rant, you know what? I hope all of those people at Missouri and Ithaca and Yale and everywhere else on college campuses, I hope you're getting the most out of your art history and, yeah, and Roman literature en- degrees. Enjoy your million student march. Enjoy that. That no because one, then I'll no ask one, you, no one's going right. to pay attention. Because then to, I'll by ask the way. you about you know how you felt and where you were when you're making my coffee at Starbucks in a nondescript holiday cup in five years, <laughs> because you went to school and majored in art history or Roman literature or some other bull bleep major, and now you can't find a job and you're eighty thousand dollars in debt yeah. to the point where Bernie Sanders is winning a Democratic nomination based on an ideal that he wants free college for people, which I support. I, I, I'll support that. I, I think college tuition is Who's insane. Who's paying for it if it's free? Who's paying for it? It doesn't have to be free, but... Who's paying for it? Exactly. The taxpayers. Exactly. exactly. It doesn't and have to be free, what, but... guess what, Bernie? I already paid for college. I'm not paying yeah. for anybody else to go. Sorry. Learn some responsibility. Go to college. Get the bills back and pay for it. I put myself through. People could put their self through. Through hard work, yeah. it could be done. And it teaches people something. Not giving them something for nothing, which is what they always want to do. Go out, get a job, and put yourself through college. Like some responsible people have done already. I'm like, sorry. Like you and I. I've done the same thing. However, the, the tuition at Temple University for what I, what, you know, what I did, room board tuition, all that the, for a standard year, the handouts. In, the in-state, I, I can't the in-state tuition is now much higher than what the out-of-state tuition I paid mm. fifteen to twenty years ago is. So th- things are there's issues, there's problems. We got off on a rant. the The point being is that you can't just do whatever you want and then expect somebody to fix the problem later. And what's happening is. In sports, that's becoming the mantra, not the exception. Just do whatever we want and worry about it later, and nothing will happen, and everybody's happy. But nobody's happy. And Greg Hardy will continue to take the field, and Jose Bautista will continue to flip bats, (laughs) and so on down the line, and the the Nets will continue to exist, and so on down the line. Hey, they got their first win. They did. 
And you know what? It sucks. But that's the way life is now. So yeah, suck it up and take the ride. And be happy yeah. that you can afford a five dollar eggnog latte in your nondescript cup. Oh my god, that is so- while the keyboard Look, warriors get I, mad. I'm I'm Catholic. Okay, altar boy. I'm not altar boy. Catechism. I've been confirmed. I've been baptized. I've had my first holy communion. All that good stuff. I could couldn't care less about Starbucks making an all-inclusive coffee cup. Something that when you're done with the damn cup, goes in the garbage. Mm-hmm. It goes in the garbage. It's a piece of paper that you throw away after 20 minutes. Just real quick, be more concerned that you're paying $6 for a cup of coffee than the cup that it comes in. And if you're really that much of a, of a, of a person who gets up... Outrage about these things. Starbucks sells plastic cups, reusable ones. That yeah. you, it's like a dollar fifty, and you yeah. save money on every cup of overpriced coffee when you use them. I have one. I've used it once, but I bought it in that moment where I was feeling like a responsible consumer years ago. Here's the thing. Celebrate your holiday at your house. Decorate as much as you want. You got to understand something. Christmas trees, Christmas wreaths, Anything to do with Christmas offends people now. And it offends minority, you know, the minority of people. It's offensive for the majority. Because when 10% of the people are offended by something, the other 90% have to conform to the 10%. That's the way the world has become. The needs of the many no longer outweigh the needs no, of the few. It's the, needs, f- it's the needs of the few the or you lose your job. So go to your house. Make it look like Santa threw up all over it. Bask in the glow of the holiday season in your Christmas Shangri-La at your own house. And don't worry about what department stores do. Don't worry about anything else. They could have the quote-unquote war on Christmas. As long as you're able to do it at your house with your family, it shouldn't matter to you. You should just let it go. Let it go. And your life will be a lot less stressful. Have I ever told you the story about when I was in college and I worked at a major fast food restaurant, how I had someone come through drive-thru and ask for french fries with no salt, which was really code for they wanted fresh french fries. But instead of just saying I'd like fresh fries, because mm-hmm. sometimes they sit there, mm-hmm. they wanted fries with no salt. And then when they asked for salt, I refused it to them and they got all in a tizzy because mm-hmm. I knew what they wanted mm-hmm. to do. And I was just having a bad day and I was mm-hmm. 21 and I was just being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Similar thing happened recently to a friend of my wife's who was a server at a restaurant in New York City. And you know how they always tell you now to notify your server or the chef or whoever if they have a you have a food allergy, this, that, the other. Well, gluten-free is now more of an issue than it was in the past, but it's also now a, a hot topic. I'm gluten-free. Okay? So the people at this table told my wife's friend that, that they wanted, you know, one or more of them had a gluten allergy mm-hmm. and then asked for bread. They asked for bread for the table, and he told them flat out, he's like, by law, because you've told me that, I can't bring anything like that out to you. The same people who are gluten-free <laughs> Well, it may bread? have been a party of more than one, and one of them was the issue, but he couldn't bring that. Oh, no, I, I understand that, but the person who's gluten-free didn't ask for the bread. I don't think so. That, oh, okay. Not the way he told the story. I'm All not right. 100% sure. Right. I was sort of half Because that just wouldn't make any sense. I was sort of half listening. Mm-hmm. But- that represents the dichotomy of, of America now is that you can't bring it out because you can't take the chance of somebody who's right. who actually has a legitimate gluten allergy. A friend of mine, a very good friend of mine's ex-girlfriend, like couldn't be in the same room with people eating you know, sandwiches or she would break it. Like she had a severe gluten mm-hmm. allergy. And then there's just some people who are just like, oh, I'm gluten-free. Probably the same people that are ordering the $6 soy half-calf whipped mocha eggnog lattes. But not only could they not bring it out because, you know, they couldn't take the chance. Now, again, the need of the few has to outweigh the need of the many who can't enjoy some delicious bread because they can't by law bring it out because somebody (laughs) might have a problem with it. No, And you know what happens in the end? Uh, Nobody wins. Yeah. And of all people... I was going to mention it earlier, and, and we got off track, and, and now I'm going to mention That's it. That's my fault. No. 
of all things and of all people, the two people in the world who may be most nailing the, the, the downward spiral of the world right now are Matt Stone and Trey Parker with this season of South Oh, Park. really? <clears throat> it's been a whole – the last couple seasons of South Park, they've weaved like a season-long theme and episodes play into each uh-huh. other. And they still lampoon certain things. And there's still episodes where the kids are just being snotheads because that's what they do. And, right. You know, Cartman's a, an evil little human being. Yes. That's why we love him. Right. But this, this, whole, this whole season has been about <laughs> PC – and issues about PC mm-hmm. and South Park has gotten a Whole Foods now to show how progressive they are. And every neighborhood, like Kenny's poor neighborhood, has gentrified into soda sopa. Like you know how sort of like how Harbor Point and Stanford has gone from being the slums to yes. now this huge. They're thing. trying to build it up, yeah. Right, and it's been this whole big arc. There are five episodes in now after last night. Five five episodes into the season, five or six, and it's been this whole big arc of PC and stupidity. And they've lampooned Caitlyn Jenner. And they've lampooned, you know, the Whole Foods and Happy Movement, and uh, they've la- they lampooned it a couple weeks ago. Um, Randy kept going into Whole Foods, and every time the guy would ask him if he wanted to donate a dollar to hungry kids, and when he would say no, like it would get worse and worse. Like, just can you speak into this bullhorn and, and just let them know that's how the system works? So he started like one of those Sarah McLaughlin commercials to not charity shame people, and it ends up with like like you know underprivileged kids in the third world getting iPads so that they can like. Filter out Yelp reviews. It, it's it's been this whole like crazy thing. That's another one. Everyone thinks they're a food critic because they have a Yelp account. So businesses <laughs> had to like you know count out to people because oh yeah. I have a Yelp. And it's it's been a tremendous three hours of television, just completely mocking the entirety of the country and its mental state right now. And it almost makes me wish that at the end of the year they bring back the episode from the first season where they have the the. Happy non-denominational holiday spectacular because nobody can offend – you can't offend the Jewish people because you don't include Hanukkah and you can't offend Catholics and Christians because you don't include Christmas and you can't offend Muslims and blah, blah, blah. And so it's a bunch of people dancing to like this bizarre techno music with this weird dance routine and all the parents are like, what the hell? You know, it almost makes me wish they bring that and whip that out and bring that back because it's just the way the world is and it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I, it looks like I have to catch up on my South Park then. Yeah. Because these two... It's been fantastic. I don't know who they have pictures of, but no one ever says a word about South Park. Because they do it in a way that's crudely funny to appeal to the 12-year-old in me. This is how I see it as a 35-year-old human being. The 12-year-old in me loves when Cartman just rails on people and is a genuine just poop head. Okay. Because it's funny a lot of the time. Like, you can laugh at it in that, in that setting. You're like, ha it's funny. You know, it's a big hat. It's funny. The 35-year-old in me who's watching the world go, go down the slope towards the next big reset loves the fact that they're taking all of these things that everyone's so outraged about and spinning them in a way that, that makes normal, rational people realize just how stupid most of it is. Oh, hey, the stars were brightly shining. Something, something, <laughs> I get present. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, the, the whole thing, it's like just you, you realize just how dumb and how just disconnected the world is to things. Like the episode with the Yelp reviews. Uh, City Walk. I, uh-huh. I don't know how, uh, how yes. much South Park you've yes, watched. I, I know it. City Walk. Because it comes out a different way. Right. When, yeah. City Walk is going under because nobody's going to the restaurants because Soda Sopa is – they basically built a whole new neighborhood around Kenny's house. Mm-hmm. And so he does you know, he does things to change things and then now everybody's a Yelp reviewer. So it's like, you know, I'm a Yelp reviewer and they get a table faster and this and that. And, you know, Gerald, who's a lawyer uh, – Gerald Broflovsky, who is a lawyer, according to the, the character arc uh-huh. of the show, is now spending his time crafting – you know, looking like Richard Dreyfus and Stand By Me at the computer, crafting Yelp reviews of, you know, restaurants and people have to kowtow because. And then finally, uh, Whistling Willie's Pizza Gulch or whatever their ripoff of Chuck E. Cheese is. The guy finally just has enough and and goes off on everybody and just tells them off, and it starts a new revolution. Like you know, there's signs in restaurant windows that say, "If you're a Yelper, we don't care. Get out." Like blah blah. blah. It just. And it's funny. It's funny to me because I think I've told you this story. I don't know if I told it on the podcast because we talk about sports ninety eight percent of the time. Yeah, but this is a fun one. Today. Is that yeah? Is everything? 
And really, outside of the Yankees' couple of trades yesterday and the Nets getting their first win, there's really not much going on in the no. world of sports. So, you know, we're, we're taking it liberally. Uh, but, you know, I, I've had some negative experiences at a steakhouse at a certain casino over the last couple of years that I wrote a Yelp review about. And funnily enough, we get a phone call one day. My wife gets a phone call one day from a 914 number she doesn't recognize. She's like, well, maybe it's CVS or something. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It's friends of her parents who live in her parents' complex who we know well. They were at okay. our wedding, like whatever. Yeah. She just didn't have their house number saved in the in the in the phone. Right. Asking me if I wrote if I'm the Lou D from New Rochelle because that's where it said I was from mm-hmm. at the time. Wrote the Yelp review bashing this place because they had a reservation there that weekend and wanted to know if they oh, could boy. avoid it. And of course, it turned out to be me, and I explained yeah. everything and whatever. But that's. That's it's a perfect example that Matt and Trey lampoon that the world we live in that negative Yelp reviews influence will get you more yeah will get you further than than, the, than anything. It's the power of social media, man. That's what it is. Like you said at Missouri, right now anyone could tweet out anything, and it would be taken as fact. Yeah. Our, because our, if 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 you didn't take it as fact. That would be offensive to the students right. who tweeted and, it out. And our old friend Jerome Preisler once told me a story. He wrote – I, I forget which book of his it was. But he's like, I laughed because I logged on to Amazon about an hour after it was released and there was already a, like a one-star review of somebody like bashing the book. He's like, I know he didn't read it. It was just released an hour ago. <laughs> but, you know, that first person had to be in there like, I didn't like the – you know. Or people that leave reviews on, you know, I'm reading – I was buying new Under Armour. Because mm-hmm. it's getting to be winter, I need new base layer for outdoor activities. Softball, softball, football, things like that. Skiing or snow tubing while my wife skis because I don't ski. And you know, people are like, you know, people leave a five star review on on the, the product on like Dick Sporting Goods website mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, I haven't used it yet, but it looks great. Thanks, 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 thanks for your salient information, there, guy. Appreciate I that. I don't think he'd understand what salient meant. So. No. Thank, thank, thanks for that. I haven't used it yet, but it looks good. Well, great. I can see that in the picture on the website, Jethro. Well, you brought it up. Please, so. please elect the Republican candidate for president and continue on your life. And I know you just wrote something about uh, the Yankees' recent deal, so why don't you break it down for us? I did. Are we moving on to the Yankees? Yes, we are. Uh, we, we actually discussed this via text yesterday. You, your text to me was, J.R. Murphy? Question mark. And it started our dialogue. About the Yankees trade for Aaron Hicks, who is uh, our video producer, Matt Stucco. He, he, and, he and Hicks are boys from way back in the day. Oh, wow. Um, from uh, the Minnesota Twins affiliates all play in the same league mm-hmm. as the Yankees affiliates all the way down from the Flor- Florida State League up, I should say. So he's known Aaron for a while, and Matt used to do a lot more MLB stuff. So he's known Matt for a while. So he was excited. As more even more excited than Stucco usually is to to be here. That's saying something. Yes, he's an excited guy. Um, so he knows a lot about Hicks, and we were talking about it, and I've talked about it with you. And this is I just wrote. He had a conference call with the media earlier today before we taped this that I was on, and I, I wrote one story already, and I'll have a second one later today. And you know, he said the usual same thing. I'm excited to be here, and he credited Tory Hunter for helping him out a lot last year in Minnesota. But one of the things he talked about a lot, and I think it was Wally Matthews, actually, that, that first brought this topic up, and then people piled on, and if I'm wrong, for, forgive me for whoever did it, um, about his hitting, about how he abandons – he's a switch hitter. He mm-hmm. abandoned switch hitting a couple years ago and then ended up in double A trying to work on things, and somebody told him, you know, switch hitting's a gift. Don't, don't you know, give up don't, on don't, it. Yeah. Don't sleep on it. And for some people, like, you know, Cito Culver did it. Um, and it helped for about a week. Um, and then he realized he couldn't hit from either side of the plate, so it didn't really yeah. matter. But um, so he, you know, he worked hard at it, and, and he, somebody asked him about his swing, to his, how his swing is different from, I think that was Billy Witts, actually, who asked him that, how his swing was different from both sides of the plate, both sides of the plate. And he said something interesting. He's like, you know, I, I worked on it. I worked a lot harder on it, you know, going just giving – he gave up the left side completely and then went back to it and he said you know some he said two things that yankees fans might really really love he said my right-handed swing has a lot more natural lift to it so that lends itself to a lot of power more power which is great because the yankees right-handed power is 
was an issue, especially when Mark Teixeira was out of lineup last year. He said, my left-handed swing is a little more level, though, so it leads itself to a little more line drive, doubles, triples kind of things, which should really excite Yankees fans because a line drive from a left-handed hitter in Yankee Stadium is often a three-run home run. It could hit hard enough. Mm -hmm. So this is a very interesting trade, and I mentioned at the end of the the story that I wrote, spoiler alert, uh, that last year the Yankees traded for a young player at the very beginning of the learning curve. You know, They gave up a, a, a valuable major league asset, for a young player at the beginning of a learning curve, that player ended up hitting 260 and being a Gold Glove finalist. Didi, Didi gave up Shane Green for him in a three-way trade this right. year. It's, J- it's John Ryan Murphy. So if Hicks can come close to that, you know, if, if Brian Cashman's recent mantra of trading useful, you know, useful middle end to low end 25 and 40 man roster pieces for and he's young players and he's with upside under team control, yeah. and he could you know, blossom into what he was predicted to be. Yep. So it's another one of those roll-the-dice situations. Yep. The Yankees had a surplus at the catching position. Now you move Romine or Sanchez up, and, and away you go. Right. And and with the way it works with Hicks is, you know, Brian Cashman said yesterday, we see him as an everyday player, but at the very least he gives us, you know, he replicates what Chris Young Chris gives Young us. against lefties. And, and Aaron Hicks, it, he had a lot less plate appearances than Chris Young because he only played 90 games and had like 300 and some plate appearances. He had 307 against lefties last year. Now, I, I so I from did, the right side, I did see some talk about possibly trading Ellsbury or Gardner. Gardner, I saw they were talking to the Mariners, mm-hmm. uh, which could be interesting if James Paxton, as rumored, yeah, is in the deal. The the pitcher, yep, um, lefty. Do you, would, would yeah, a lot of people say he has that Pettit kind of a Pettit esque motion. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'd be surprised if Ellsbury went, wouldn't you? Well, I think he has no trade, so I think that hurts too. But, yeah, there's a lot of money left on his deal. The easiest person to trade is, is Gardner. Even though it's like he's the homegrown guy and he's now the face of the team and all I that. I hate it, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you can make that deal, you have to make it. The, the, only, the Mariners want to win now. The only player that was on the Yankees' active roster before Brett Gardner was A-Rod. So that, that's yeah. Brett Gardner is the longest-tenured homegrown and almost longest-tenured Yankee at this point. A-Rod was 4 Gardner was 08. 08. <clears throat> yep. um, but with, with Hicks, when it comes into play, is that he's a switch hitter. So it's not going to be a Chris Young situation where if they bring in a righty, you know, Chris Young didn't hit righties at all. You know, you, you switch out and then they make changes and things. He can hit from both sides of the plate. He did fairly well. I think he hit 240-something against righties. And then 307, but the split was so extreme that the 307 came back down to 256. Um, and he can play all three outfield positions. You know, Chris Young could too, but you, you, you didn't really want to roll the dice with Chris Young in center field too it's, often, whereas Hicks, you can. It's what we were talking about a couple weeks back, and that is Girardi needs that flexibility, mm-hmm. and this guy, Hicks, gives him that, not only in the field, but at the plate. He gets a switch hitter, yep. and that's something he needs, and he likes, and Cashman likes it too. Um, the, and the, the, oh, Go ahead, and, and I, then I have say, a question to ask. They have one outfielder now on the 40-man roster who is basically locked into a position. That's it. Because Gardner can play center. Mm-hmm. Ellsbury has played left in the past. He was a left fielder with the Red Sox for a little while. Even mm-hmm. though he hasn't done it in a while, he can do it. We've seen Slade Heathcott and Mason Williams play all over the outfield in AAA. Aaron Hicks can play all three positions. That's it. The outfield is very flexible, so Gardner could be traded. Here, here's, a cu- here's a couple questions for you. First, I saw something on Twitter from Michael Kay, our buddy. He, uh, something about bringing Cano back. Did you see that, or did he say it on the air? I did not, no. I know I wasn't imagining that. No, I did not see it, but. I don't know why the Yankees would even entertain. I don't think the Mariners That's would entertain that either. That's taking a gigantic step back to doing something you don't want to do, is having somebody that's going to be ending his contract when he's 40 and getting a yacht load of money at the end of that deal. And Lord knows what he's going to be doing. And the only trades, the only trade scenario that makes sense in that scenario is trading probably Els, definitely Ellsbury, mm-hmm. almost certainly ref Snyder and possibly even Beltran in that scenario. If for the money, the position replacement and, and everything I'll else. I'll tell you right now. If that was the deal, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And again, two of those three players have no trade clauses, and the third one is Rob Refsnyder. So that's, 
It's not going to happen, but <laughs> but I would do it. Wouldn't you do that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We have we did last year three blockbuster Black Friday deals on Black Friday for the mm-hmm. Yankees, and we're going to do that again. And I'll, I'll give you a spoiler alert. One of them is exactly the same as it was last year, and it still fits. And it's the Yankees and the Cubs, um, and it still fits unless okay. unless Brett Gardner gets traded in the next two weeks. Well, what is still it? Fits. It's Brett. It's basically Brett Gardner for Starlin Castro. Um, Salaries, it's the same deal as last year, but now Castro has second base experience. So, whereas last year the Yankees needed to replace Jeter, now as much as they, they have Ackley yeah. and Ref Snyder, they could still, you know, the, obviously Cashman will be looking to, to make moves. Um, on the other side of the deal with John Ryan Murphy, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe feel the Yankees could have gotten more for John Ryan Murphy, but. His value is his potential, and he showed he showed a lot last year as Brian McCann's primary backup, and his value is his potential, but there's still all that depth, and what people are immediately thinking is, oh, Gary Sanchez is going to be in majors, and blah, 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 blah. He did have the quote of the year, too. Who? Murph? Uh, the drinking one? Yeah. <laughs> which, which, in hindsight, what happened with CeCe Zabathia a few days later turned yeah, out to look really I, bad. But he didn't know. No. Speaking of things that turned out to be really bad in hindsight, but anyway... Here's the thing. The Yankees have, because he came up at the end of the year to provide an extra catcher because guys were banged up and, you know, whatever, and Sanchez was hurt, Romine is now on the 40-man roster again. Austin Romine has really done nothing to prove he can't be a backup major league catcher. Mm-hmm. And if that's all he is, with as much as Brian McCann plays, John Ryan Murphy played a lot last season because John Ryan Murphy forced his way into playing time. As soon as this trade happened to our good buddy Matt Cardos tweeted out almost immediately – that uh, Sanchez hit his seventh home run on the Arizona yeah. Fall and, I mean, there's no there's no doubt Gary Sanchez is raking. Yeah. Can he learn a lot more in AAA? Sure. He's, what, 22? Mm-hmm. I mean... He's still pop. So those who think he's, this means he's going to be in the majors, that would actually, I think, be the wrong move. No. You don't want to bring no, up... You, for the same reason you wouldn't want to bring up Greg Bird or Aaron Judge to sit on the bench. Right. You, you gotta, don't want to bring right. up Gary Sanchez to exactly. play 50 games that and maybe DH once or twice. Nail on the head. you got to keep <clears> him out there on a daily basis and let him catch. So now, you know, what you're really looking at is Brian McCann is your guy. Uh-huh. Austin Romine is probably your back... Unless more things happen. Austin Romine is probably your backup. He's your backup. And if McCann gets hurt, Gary Sanchez, Sanchez is, is your guy. starter. Yeah, Romine exactly. is now just there. Exactly. And the Yankees, the first thing they did this offseason when minor league free agents came out and everything is they re-signed Eddie Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Eddie Rodriguez is not a sexy name. Eddie Rodriguez is familiar with the pitching staff in New York, though, and they got him very familiar with the pitching staff early because he was nominally, they figured they were going to lose Romine. The, the way the roster crunch was, I'm sure Brian Cashman figured he was going to lose Romine and was mm-hmm. thrilled when he didn't. But they got Eddie Rodriguez ready, knowing that if something happened to a backup specifically, if Murphy, or probably even McCann, Murphy would have become the everyday guy. They needed a veteran, and not Gary Sanchez wasn't going to come up to be the everyday catcher just no. yet, and he definitely wasn't coming up to be a backup. So Rodriguez was that guy who was getting ready to be that veteran, that, that Chad Moeller type, you know, from back in the day, yeah. of the guy who comes up and he's just the guy that fills in. Or Gustavo, was it Gustavo Molina? Who was on the yes. on the roster yes, for, for a few weeks when Russell Martin was yes. hurt a couple years ago? So, what Rodriguez did is he did all that in the, in the spring, and then he was in Double A and Triple A with Gary Sanchez for a little while, and he flip flopped back and forth, and he worked with him a lot, and he was kind of more of an on field coach, really. I mean, you know, he was he was Austin Romine's backup for a little while, quote unquote backup, but you know, he worked. So was Francisco Arcia, who's a free agent. He was he, him and Rodriguez flip flopped a lot based on where Gary Sanchez was because Rodriguez was sort of mentoring Sanchez. And the Yankees have done this the right way. There were some character issues. You got to remember this. When did they take this kid? When he was sixteen. Sixteen. He's been 16 in the system forever. Old. He's been in the system forever. Prospect fatigue right. is, is the way a lot of people describe and him. When you're a sixteen year old and you're playing professional baseball at any level, I mean that's yeah. That's a culture shock to you, and uh, you got to work through everything that you have to work through to get to this point. And now he's doing extremely well in the Arizona Fall League. And like Lou said, if something happens to Brian McCann, and I'm sure they don't want anything to happen no. to Brian McCann, but if something does, Sanchez is more than likely going to be your everyday guy. Yep. And now you've got Eddie Rodriguez to serve as his backup slash mentor at AAA, and then he's it. it 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 furthers the process along in every respect. Your your crash Davis. Yep. 
down at and you know what? Even even the previous trade that the Yankees made yesterday, trading Jose Perella to San Diego for uh, minor league pitcher Ronald Herrera, mm-hmm. Cashman even said he's like, you know what? There's there's a lot of roster crunch. I'm engaging teams and a lot of guys on the back end of my forty to see where moves can be made, and this is just one that happened. And you know what? Jose Perella didn't do anything wrong. No, he didn't do anything to play his way out of the plans. But much like everyone in the Slade Heathcott, Mason Williams, Ben Gamble, Jake Cave, and much like all 74 of the upper-level right-handed relievers that are on the Scranton Shuttle, there's a lot of redundancy in the organization. There is. Perella was a very redundant player for what the Yankees were doing. And like you tweeted out, yep. like mm-hmm. Solarte, maybe he could find something out there in right. San Diego. And you know, a lot of people were wondering what Cashman was doing when he traded Sean Kelly to San Diego last year for Johnny Barbado, but then he sent Banuelos to Atlanta for... Uh, Jason Shreve and David Carpenter, and you saw, okay, we're going to acquire a younger, cheaper player in Carpenter than Kelly, avoid his arbitration years. We get something back for him. And then they traded something that they were willing to give up, Banuelos. As Cashman even said, it's not like you're looking to trade Manny Banuelos, but when the right offer comes along, you pull the trigger. Absolutely. And so that's why you can't really judge an offseason by one or two moves, especially in mid November. You have to wait till February to see how everything comes together. And, you know, a lot of times, to, to paraphrase the A-team, plans don't come together, and you don't love it when plans don't come together, and that's where you have contingencies and things. But for what, what he did right now, Brian Cashman has so far traded a redundant piece for possible future asset, 20-year-old pitcher, still a year away from Rule 5 eligibility. Who knows what could happen? Same thing he did with Eduardo Nunez a couple years ago when he acquired Miguel Subaron from the Twins. Hey, listen. And now Aaron Hicks, who fills, He's, who at worst fills an immediate need for the Yankees at four and a half million dollars cheaper than Chris Young did. He's putting, and at best could be an everyday switch hitting outfielder. He's putting the building blocks together. This is how the Yankees rebuild, ladies and gentlemen. They rebuild around their mm-hmm. uh, stars that they have on the team. Their stars that are a year away from not being on the team anymore. Um, Think about this. And pitching is going to be an issue next year because a lot of guys have opt-outs, free agency, Mm -hmm. arbitration. Think about this right now. Just looking at the 40-man roster as constructed, Mm -hmm. or the 38-man roster. 38, as it were. And the minor league system around them. And I'm not even going to go into the pitching staff because that's so fluid that whatever. 2016 is what it is. 2017 is what it is. There's one person on the books for more than one year after 2017 in the system. That's Jacoby Ellsbury. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you could be looking at a team in 2018 when the 2018 opening day Yankees take the field. Greg Bird, in his third full year, so he's got three years of team control to go because he's still in his pre-arb years mm-hmm. at first base. Rob Ref Snyder, who could be in his third year as the starting second baseman and in his third pre-arb year, so he's got four years of team control left at second base. Didi Gregorius coming just fresh off arbitration, looking to earn himself a long-term deal at shortstop. Chase Headley in the final year of his four-year deal, playing third base, holding down the fort for possibly an Eric Jagailo or Miguel Andujar, something that Mark Teixeira is doing for Greg Bird or Beltran is doing for Judge right now. Aaron Judge in right field entering his, we'll say, two-and-a-half season of Major League Baseball, assuming he makes his debut at some point next year in right field. Jacoby Ellsbury playing center in the midst of his long-term contract. Aaron Hicks playing left field. He is four years of team control, so 16-17. He'll be one year in arbitration into his second arbitration year. Gary Sanchez behind the plate in his two-and-a-half season of Major League Baseball. And Brian McCann in the final year of his contract as your DH slash backup catcher. Notice one thing about that lineup. Looks a lot like the one in '96. It's a lot of homegrown guys, a couple of trade, mm-hmm. ac- you know, a trade acquisition, and there'll be more in there, and for then sure. a couple, a couple of veterans hanging on to spots where they need them. That's where, not where, that's, where they're waiting for the next wave. That's not bad, but there might be a couple changes here and there. There could be, but Chase Headley fills that sort of Charlie Hayes Wade Boggs role. He's the veteran third baseman holding down the fort at that position. McCann, his defense has hmm, to get better. Yeah, McCann is your sort of Cecil fielder in a way. At that point, your big free agent signing mm-hmm. that he's now you know a DH kind of whatever. Ellsbury, Ellsbury is a little different than Paul O'Neill because Paul O'Neill was was acquired by a trade, but Ellsbury's your kind of Paul O'Neill. And then you've got your quote unquote core four: 
Judge, <clears throat> you know, Ref Snyder, Tino in '96. Maybe Jacoby Ellsbury is a bit more of Tino. Maybe, okay. Maybe Jacoby Ellsbury is more of your Tino. Judge, Ref Snyder, Bird, and Sanchez. <clears throat> yep. And throw in a Severino. And throw in, and throw in Aaron Hicks. And Severino's leading your rotation. Tanaka's still there because he didn't opt out. Because maybe his, you know, maybe his this season was okay, but you know he's he's going to stick around. He's going to hang it out. And maybe you know Pineda puts it all together, and the Yankees resign him. And maybe Evaldi puts it all together, and the Yankees hang on to him on a long term deal. And they they there need, you go. They need a couple starting pitchers. Well, there you, you go. You can't. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think they need <clears> too much. <throat> nice breakdown. Thanks. See, That's what I do. You are one of the best. That's what I do. That's why I said that. Thanks. You're welcome. Well, I've calmed down a lot. <laughs> the Chris Sheeran super fantastic <laughs> potpourri hour with I think it's good. I think the, the title of this podcast is going to be November. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. You're good with those. I'm good with witty puns. Call the post. You have another job waiting. You could do that on a side job like the, the back page headline. Can Kernan connect me up? Maybe. Anywho. See what happens. That's going to wrap things up. For Lou DiPietro, say goodbye to the people, Lou. Goodbye to the people, Lou. I'm Chris Sheeran. This has been The Chris Sheeran Show. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.